It's Friday, May the 20th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Biden backs Nordic NATO applicants and America approves more aid for Ukraine. First, the world in brief. Joe Biden said Finland and Sweden had the quote, full, total, complete backing of the United States as they applied to join NATO, a move prompted by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Standing next to Magdalena Andersson, Sweden's Prime Minister, and Sauli Niinistö, Finland's President, in Washington DC, the American President said the Nordic countries, quote, meet every NATO requirement, and then some. America's Senate overwhelmingly approved a $40 billion military and humanitarian package for Ukraine. It is America's largest foreign aid package in at least two decades and takes its total support to Ukraine to $54 billion. Earlier, the Senate also confirmed Bridget Brink as the American ambassador to Ukraine, filling a post that had been vacant for three years. China slashed a key interest rate for long-term loans in an attempt to revive its ailing property sector. The cut to the mortgage reference rate was the largest in more than two years. Meanwhile, loan growth in the country in April was at its lowest level in almost five years. Chinese and other Asian stock markets rose in response to the announcement. Sri Lanka officially defaulted on its debt for the first time in its history on Thursday, after the country was unable to meet $78 million of outstanding debt interest payments within the requisite 30 days. It is trying to restructure debts of more than $50 billion that it owes to foreign creditors. Sri Lanka is in the midst of a political and economic crisis that has triggered violent protests against the government. Oklahoma passed a law banning abortion, except in cases of incest, rape or medical emergency. Like a law passed in Texas last year, it allows private citizens to sue anyone who has helped a woman get an abortion. If the governor signs it, as expected, it will go into effect immediately. The state has already passed the law banning abortions after about six weeks. Monkeypox cases were detected in Britain, Portugal, Spain and America. The viral disease, which causes fever symptoms and a distinctive rash, is endemic in West and Central Africa. The virus spreads through close contact and was first discovered in 1958 in monkeys. McDonald's found a buyer for its 850 restaurants in Russia three days after the American fast food chain said it was leaving the country after more than 30 years. It did not disclose the price. The buyer, Alexander Gova, already runs 25 branches in Siberia and will operate the additional restaurants under a new brand and with a different menu. And fact of the day, 1.6 billion, the number of people who now cannot be sure of getting enough food to eat. And now, here's today's agenda. An American tour of Asia. On Friday, Joe Biden meets Yoon Suk-yeol, his newly elected South Korean counterpart in Seoul, marking the first stop on his first trip to Asia as president. 
From there, Mr. Biden will hop to Tokyo to meet Japan's Prime Minister, Kishida Fumio, and to attend a Quad Summit with leaders from Australia and India. The White House hopes the visit will convince America's Asian allies that, despite the distraction of Ukraine, it remains committed to the region and to countering China. Several challenges loom. North Korea may test a nuclear device or ballistic missile during the trip. Though Mr. Biden will tout the Indo Pacific Economic Framework, a new regional trade plan, many see it as a weak substitute for the Trans Pacific Partnership, which America quit under Donald Trump. Relations between Japan and South Korea remain bitter, complicating American efforts to foster cooperation among allies. Finally, India's neutral stance towards Russia has created new fissures in the Quad. America's ability to multitask will be tested. American Conservatives in Budapest The Conservative Political Action Conference is the most important hard right political gathering in America. On Friday, the group will conclude a two day satellite conference. In a country that has become a darling of Donald Trump and his supporters, Hungary. Right wing American pundits, such as Tucker Carlson and Candace Owens, admire Viktor Orban, Hungary's illiberal prime minister, and his anti immigrant, anti gay, anti EU, pro natalist, and Russia friendly policies. The conference aims to unite the European identitarian right and the Trumpian right. Alongside Messrs. Carlson and Owens, It will feature Nigel Farage, the former leader of Britain's Brexit Party, Jordan Bardella of France's National Rally, formerly the National Front, and Santiago Abascal of Vox in Spain. Attendees will probably echo Mr. Orban's paranoid screeds against George Soros, a Jewish Hungarian born billionaire whom the Prime Minister accuses of plotting Europe's downfall. They are unlikely to mention the systemic corruption of Mr. Orban's Fidesz Party. Or the fact that Budapest, where the conference is held, voted against Fidesz in Hungary's general election on April 4th. The importance of unblocking Odessa. Ukraine has silos bursting with grain, which it cannot sell because Russia is blockading its ports. Trains and lorries can carry only a fraction of the stuff over land. With global food prices rocketing and Ukraine's economy crashing, unblocking the Black Sea port of Odessa is becoming increasingly urgent. Russia seems unlikely to agree to a suggestion by the United Nations that it allow merchant ships to dock in Ukraine in exchange for an easing of some sanctions. Even if they did, the entrances to Ukraine's ports are heavily mined. James Stavridis, a former commander of NATO, Is among those advocating military convoys to escort grain ships, much as the West protected oil tankers during the Iran Iraq War of the 1980s. But Russia, unlike Iran, is a nuclear power. Joe Biden, America's president, will not risk tangling directly with Russia, and it is hard to imagine other allies risking such a confrontation. The choice between war and famine is real. North Korea's sickness until death. To judge by the official numbers, 168 cases and one death, 
COVID-19 has spread remarkably slowly since first being detected in North Korea on May 8th. The nearly 2 million reported cases of, quote, fever, point to a much more rapid rate of infection. North Korea lacks testing capabilities, decent healthcare facilities, and medical supplies. Having been neither vaccinated nor exposed to the virus, almost the entire population is at risk. Extending lockdowns, already in place in several parts of the country, and blocking regional travel, could help. But that could take farmers away from the harvest, a risky move in a country where malnutrition is rife. The army has been mobilised to distribute what medicine there is. And on May 16th, three North Korean planes reportedly flew to China to pick up medical supplies. But the regime has spurned offers of vaccines from the rest of the world, for fear of looking weak. Sadly, North Korea's leaders have a history of playing politics with civilians' lives. Want to survive a lockdown? The answer is in your DNA. No one enjoyed COVID-19, but some folk negotiated lockdowns better than others. Having a garden and cushy job helped. The new research in PLOS Genetics, a journal, reveals another reason behind the pandemic well-being gap, genetics. Evidence comes from scientists at the University of Groningen in the Netherlands, who screened the genomes of 27,500 Dutch people who had responded to a series of lifestyle surveys during the first year of the pandemic. By cross-referencing people's answers to identified mutations in their DNA, researchers could calculate how much each individual's life satisfaction depended on specific genes. On average, the participants' quality of life was significantly lower in January 2021 than in July 2020. But those who proved the most resilient tended to have certain genetic markers. And as restrictions on public life rumbled on, genetics became an increasingly strong predictor of happiness, possibly because social isolation meant people's environments mattered less. The pandemic exacerbated many social and health inequalities. The ultimate inequality, the difference in our genetic makeup, was no exception. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Friday. Which politician led the Labour Party to a disastrous defeat in the 1983 British general election? Thursday. According to Maradona, what was responsible for scoring a controversial goal against England in the 1986 Football World Cup? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Stephen J. Gould, who died on this day in 2002. The most erroneous stories are those we think we know best, and therefore never scrutinise or question. 
That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.